Welcome to the Julius Baer Moving Markets podcast on Wednesday the 14th of February with me, Bernadette Anderko. We've got a packed show today with our fixed income strategist Daria Messi here and also Mathieu Rachete to update us on the latest from the Q4 earnings season. But first, we'll get a roundup of the markets action today from my colleague Jan Bopp. Good morning, Jan. Good morning, Bernadette. So we're back with our favourite topic, inflation, this week. Uh, last week, we saw data from some of the European countries, and yesterday, Swiss CPI data was quite surprising. But I guess the most important one for financial markets was the US January inflation data, which came out uh, in our time yesterday afternoon. Last month, investors were caught off guard by the December inflation data in many countries coming in hotter than expected. Was it different this time around, Jan? Oh, well, it depends on, on which region you look at. Uh, but let's start with the US CPI report, as it was, as you already said, uh, the one that got the most attention from investors. Uh, as you know, the messaging from Fed Chair Powell in the January FOMC meeting was pretty clear. Uh, he wants to see more evidence of continuing this inflation in order to feel comfortable to uh, start cutting rates. So naturally, uh, investors were desperate for more insight into whether this disinflationary trend in the US would continue. Uh, unfortunately, it hasn't, uh, at least not to the extent that was expected. Uh, core inflation, which excludes food and energy costs, came in at 3.9%, unchanged from the previous month, uh, while headline CPI came in at 3.1% down, from 3.4% the previous month, but still higher than the 2.9% that was expected. And looking at the, the more recent inflation trend, and this is what's moving markets, uh, the three and six months annualized rate also ticked up. So uh, yesterday's CPI print is a stark reminder that bringing down inflation is a process and not a linear one. Uh, inflation simply doesn't move in a straight line. Well, unless, of course, you're in Switzerland. <laughs> Unless you're Switzerland, Bernadette, exactly. Uh, inflation here surprised strongly to the downside. Uh, consumers' prices rose by 1.3% year-on-year uh, versus expectations of 1.7%. And now, one factor in the low overall inflation is the strength of the Swiss franc, uh, which has helped to contain inflation by making imported goods and services cheaper. Um, after the CPI release, however, markets have priced in a higher probability of earlier rate cuts uh, by the SNB. And a further repricing of a March rate cut can't be ruled out. And this put quite some pressure on the safe haven currency. So Euro Swiss franc jumped briefly above 0.95. Uh, and its weakness against the dollar also continued. Um, dollar Swiss franc had already advanced almost 5% this year. And yesterday, the cross was hit by a double whammy um, of lower than expected inflation in Switzerland and higher than expected inflation in the US. So, and according to, to our FX strategists, uh, this trend is likely to continue in the coming month. Um, but look on the bright side. Uh, firstly, it makes investments in other regions more attractive for Swiss franc investors. And secondly, if this trend continues, it might be quite an earnings boost for those companies in Switzerland that reported a significant negative impact from the strong Swiss franc in last quarter earnings results. Moving on, we've seen some strong moves in uh, FX markets, but how did equity and bond markets react? Uh, well, let me 
put it this way, an investor's biggest fear is weaker economic growth. But a close second these days would be that inflation remains sticky. And so uh, both equity and bond markets sold off sharply after the US CPI release. Uh, as traders scaled down bets on early Fed rate cuts uh, and moving closer to the Fed guidance of three rate cuts. And the market has come a long way. You remember, Bernadette, it's, it's only a month ago that markets were pricing in almost seven rate cuts for this year. Now uh, we are below four uh, with the first rate cut fully priced, not before June. Um, Two-year yields, uh, two-year U.S. Treasury yields, uh, which are most sensitive to imminent Fed moves, jumped 19 basis points yesterday to 466. And 10-year U.S. Treasuries were also sharply higher, uh, plus 14 basis points to 4.32%. Uh, the sell-off in Europe was more modest. Here, yields increased between 3 and 7%. So fixed income volatility uh, remains quite elevated in this data-dependent monetary policy environment. And I'm really looking forward to, to hearing what Dario recommends our clients about how they should structure their fixed income allocation in this environment. It's, it's certainly not an easy task. Looking at uh, US markets, the S&P 500 fell below 5,000, while the tech-heavy Nasdaq 100 dropped as much as 2% at one point yesterday. Uh, Microsoft and Apple led the losses in the mega caps. Yeah, inequities, as you said, Bernadette, it was the growth, the long duration part of the market that was hit the hardest. Uh, the Nasdaq managed to bounce back a bit, uh, closing the day 1.8% lower, but still underperforming the broader S&P 500, which was down 1.4%. Um, European equities weren't immune, uh, with most markets down between 08 uh, to 0.9%. And um, Asian stocks are mostly lower this morning with the exception of Hong Kong's Hang Seng, which opened today after the Lunar New Year holiday. All right. Well, we had another exciting uh, day in financial markets, but what should we look out for today, Jan? Uh, today, the spotlight will be on Europe uh, with Eurozone fourth quarter GDP and industrial production data. In terms of economic activity, expectations are for a flat fourth quarter. I mean, there has been very mixed data lately looking at the country level. Uh, retail sales mostly disappointed. Um, so the consumer is still not out of the woods here. But looking at some more higher frequency data, more timelier data in January, that's giving some sense of green shoots here and there. So maybe industrial production in December adds to this. It would most certainly be welcome from investors in Europe. And UK CPI data just popped up on my screen, um, coming in lower than expected at 4%. So maybe this helps to cheer markets up today. And that's all from me this morning, Bernadette. Thank you very much for such an interesting uh, wrap-up of the markets action, Jan. Thanks for having me on. So now I'm delighted to welcome Dario Messi to the show. And uh, we're going to talk a bit more about those US Treasury yields this morning. So good morning, Dario. Good morning, Bernadette. This U.S. 10-year Treasury yield is the one we like to watch, back up above 4.2%, and uh, yesterday even posted a year-to-date high. We've had a lot from Jan about inflation already, but what else is keeping these yields up there? Yes, I mean, inflation was definitely the add-on yesterday, but uh, the move higher in yields started uh, already earlier, since two weeks, uh, the focus shifted quite a bit. And it's now clearly on the better growth outlook and, and what it means then for the Fed. 
Uh, I mean, take the Atlanta Fed GDP now, for example. Uh, this one tries to measure current activity level, basically real GDP by uh, aggregating more frequent data. And the, the annualized rate for the first quarter is now above 3.4%. This is not as of a cooling economy as we all expected. And um, yes, I mean, before Jan also mentioned investors fear weaker growth and inflation. But uh, that's the thing for, for bond investors with nominal claims, you actually worry about a too strong of a growth backdrop and inflation. And this is exactly the combination of signals that is currently coming in. And actually, sometimes it feels and also looks familiar, like some episodes from last year, to be honest, uh, when economic activity kept expanding with such a very resilient US economy. And it's also just very normal that in such an environment, uh, investors worry about the, the ongoing disinflation process, which we still believe uh, it is on. Also, when you look at the risk of mood, um, which came in uh, regarding the bank stress and the commercial real estate worries, this one was also very quickly labeled as idiosyncratic issues and also more specifically for small banks. Um, at the same time, we still hear discussion, uh, discussions about fiscal initiatives, uh, also what a possible Trump win uh, could mean. And so all in all, it seems, at least in the short term, the pull up in yields is stronger than the push down that we have. All right. So we, we heard all the numbers from Jan before, and then we've got this bumpy disinflation process. But is it enough to shift our assumptions um, on the Fed action for this year? Um, not for us at the moment. I mean, we, we saw shifts uh, from the market expectations, but we uh, already thought before that the market was probably a bit too optimistic. So we don't shift our assumption. Um, I mean, from the market, hopes for an early March cuts are definitely uh, off the table by now. Um, and the print yesterday certainly means that there is the risk that the FOMC needs to be even more patient. But for the time being, uh, we keep our first cut in May. And um, yeah, there are also still some inflation signals until then, which could and also should be probably more encouraging again. Okay, so that's the Fed. What about the Swiss National Bank? Well, there is a bit of a different story. We heard it before from Jan, quite a steep drop in inflation. Uh, we had also a lot of internal discussion on, on the SNB uh, in the recent past. Um, but yes, with this inflation print and also some desire from policymakers to not let the Swiss franc strengthen too much by now, uh, we think we could uh, see already cuts in the first half of this year, actually, yes. All right. And then uh, Jan said it earlier. He'd like to know what uh, you're recommending for clients now in terms of positioning. So perhaps you'd share that with us, Dario. Uh, yes, sure. Uh, Duration-wise, I think the most prudent approach at the moment is to have kind of a broad exposure to the curve. So in other words, you want to, to balance all the, the risks. So the risk of yields going higher, but also the reinvestment risk. Um, this, this also means that we wouldn't sell longer maturity bonds. They still belong in a portfolio already now, uh, in our view. Um, but yes, in the short term, if there is uh, already sufficient longer duration exposure in the portfolio, we actually might want to wait a bit for some stabilization in yields before we start adding again uh, duration. And um, yeah, from a credit perspective, we, we stay with the better quality part, no change there, simply no reason to take uh, any more risks, especially not at current spread levels. Um, it's just not very appealing and also really doesn't uh, leave any room. 
thank you so much for bringing us up to date there, Dario, and um, looking forward to having you on again next week. Thank you, Bernadette. And now with earnings still in focus, it's great that we have our head of equity strategy, Mathieu Rachete, here to update us. Good morning, Mathieu. Good morning, Bernadette. So Mathieu, the Q4 2024 earnings season in the US is moving to the late stage. We've had roughly 80% of the S&P 500's market cap already reporting results. What are the latest takeaways? Yes, exactly. So we are really moving into the later stage of the earnings season. Um, if you look at the beat ratio here, it has further improved to 75% from 72% just a week ago, and is now in line with the 10-year historical average. So, you know, we had the weak start going to the earnings season, but the picture started to improve as time passed. If you look at the different sectors, um, it's especially the energy and IT sector who has delivered the highest beat ratio, while real estate and financials have delivered the lowest beat ratio. With those latest results, uh, consensus is now expecting again positive year-over-year earnings growth of 2.9% for Q4. And remember, just two weeks ago, consensus was looking at minus 2% of earnings growth for Q4. So its expectations have flipped into positive territory again here. So overall, quite an average earnings season so far in terms of beat rate and aggregate earnings surprises. Usually at the beginning of a new year, the management gives some guidance uh, for the full year. How constructive are they sounding? Yes. Well, you know, similar to previous Q4 earnings season, guidance has been rather on the weak side. So on aggregates, there are twice as many companies in the S&P 500 that have guided lower for this year compared to those that raise guidance. But, you know, this is nothing unusual. So guidance is usually seasonally weaker at the beginning of the year. And given the current macro uncertainties that we have, companies really have no incentive to guide optimistically at this point of time. So we don't think this is a reason to be bearish on equities. Understood. Um, anything else interesting that we've learned during this earnings season, Matthew? So, yes, another uh, interesting observation here is that um, is capital expenditure or just short capex um, of, of the companies. So for now, our cyclical thesis for capex uh, seems to be confirmed. So if you look at Q4 capex for the S&P 500, it has declined by 0.3% year over year or even almost minus 3% if you exclude the big um, tech stocks um, in the U.S., what led to this decrease in capex is probably a combination of a higher cost of capital and the focus of corporates on efficiency and on, on, on cost reductions, um, which led to this decline in, in, in capex spending. What's the outlook here? Um, you know, still very much uncertain, of course, but we expect capex to pick up again as the new cycle starts to unfold, driven by again a lower cost of capital and the new investment cycle into generative AI led by the mega cap tech uh, companies in the US. And we already had some quite some bigger announcement there um, on, on their spending plans from, from big uh, US tech companies. What is your current view on equity markets after this rally that we've seen lately, Mathieu? So if you look at the big picture, we think the bull market is still uh, very much intact. So equity markets are really going up for the right reasons. Um, we have expectations for exp economic growth that are moving up, and Dario also alluded to that, while inflation, at the same time, inflation is falling, which should lift the earnings prospects of companies. That said, you know, we also acknowledge that several sentiment and positioning indicators have normalized or, or, or have even moved above the historical norm, 
which means that the risk of a temporary pullback um, in equity markets in the era of 5 to 10% um, has increased as of late. Um, probably such a pullback will be triggered by an exogenous shock. Um, but we think this will open up an opportunity to increase the exposure um, to equities again. So overall, still constructive and using any pullback here to increase the exposure. All right. So before I let you go, Mathieu, um, we said at the beginning that 80% of uh, results are in. And obviously, that means that there's still around 20% of the S&P 500's market cap due to report results. But they're only going to be eking out over the next three weeks, which might make us think the big names are out of the way. But that's not actually the case, is it? So whose earnings should we be watching out for? Yes, we still have some uh, important earnings um, which are due. I think NVIDIA, which is um, due to report results on the 21st of February, will be very closely watched and could be a market-moving event. But also Walmart and Home Depot, which will both report a day earlier, so on the 20th of February, will give us a good indication on the current um, health or the current state of the US consumer. Super. Thank you very much, Mathieu, for your insights uh, today and over the past few weeks into the latest earnings season. It's been good to see the big picture. Thanks for having me, Bernadette. Well, that's it for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. I'd like to thank my guests for contributing and you for listening. Don't forget to join us again tomorrow when Helen Freer will be back, hosting more of our experts to guide you through what's moving markets. Good luck today and goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.